for this time. Guide it that your name might be glorified. Use it in a way where it's none of us, none of me, all of you. Help us to understand who you are more clearly as a result of getting into your word. Silence the stuff that would seek to grab our attention, hinder us from being in your presence right now. We want to lay it all down, Lord, and experience you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Family, we are in a series on relationships, and we have been looking at how it is that we thrive in God through relationship as well as uh, thrive in connecting with one another through relationship. And so our very first week, we uh, spent some time celebrating our singles, the amazing way in which God uses uh, single people to bring his name glory. And so uh, that was our, our first uh, kind of dive into the series. And then we jumped into marriage. And last week we talked about the beautiful oneness that God creates when he takes two people and he makes them one. And then there's this enemy that's trying to constantly break that oneness apart. But what God has created, we're not going to let Satan get into. Amen. Amen. And so today we're going to continue in our understanding of relationships and looking at marriage. But there's kind of this this assumption that that Jesus has when he begins to talk about marriage in the New Testament. He assumes that you are a part of him because there's going to be a a, a template. There's going to be a design. There's going to be a, a kind of domino effect. And the first domino is understanding who the church is. Because if you understand the church and how Jesus loves the church, then you'll understand how Jesus calls for families to be loving one another as he loved the church. And specifically how men and women love one another as he loved the church. But in order to know what the church is, you got to be in the church. And sometimes maybe you and I I don't want to assume that everybody in the room is is a part of the church, The, the church It's Christ's people set apart for his purposes. It is is this, this group of people that realize that we are not in control of our own lives. And when we try to do that, we mess up. It it, it is this kind of parable of, of people constantly trying to get some grub. You know what it's like. You might have had some bread on a hungry day, and you can eat five loaves of bread. Well, that's a lot of bread, ain't it? Uh, (laughs) But you know on that day, even if you eat a ton of sandwiches, the next day you'll be hungry again. And Jesus is saying, hey, you might be filling yourself with, with money. You might be filling yourself with accolades. You might be filling yourself with education. You might be filling yourself with experiencing men or women. Whatever it is, it's this, this hunger that will keep having this insatiable desire to be fed again and again. And then he comes and says, I, I am the bread of life. You won't hunger anymore. Feast off of who I am. And now you can have peace you can have rest. You can be fulfilled. And so there's a, there's a, a, a kind of assumption that to, to first be able to have a healthy marriage, you got to be a part of the church. You got to be a part of his body. You got to be able to not, recognize, not, not, not hunger for worldly things, but to hunger for him and find your feeling in him. And in finding that feeling, he says, you are mine. You are mine. He says in, in Jeremiah 31, Says this, this is what happened when, 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 when you are mine. 
It says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with those of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declared the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will, resem- I will remember their sin every day. I will remember their sin every hour. I will remember their sin no more. So foundational to what it means to have a good marriage is to one, understand the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus loves you. And in loving you, he has put the beauty of who he is upon your heart and you get to experience forgiveness. It's very tough to have a Christ centered marriage if you don't believe that Christ has forgiven your sins. Because if, if there is nothing more that I can guarantee you of, and I know that you know, we have some singles here, we have even some folks that's in, um, um, in their premarital counseling, as you prepare to get to the wedding day, prepare to get married, I know that person look beautiful, they looking good, they get that fresh lineup, you're like, oh, boo, you know what I'm saying? I know. But they're, they're a broken person. At some point, even in marriage, this person that God has made in, their, in, in his image is going to let you down. And so embedded within the fabric of what it even means to be married is this whole up. God has forgiven you. Are you going to be able to forgive one another? That's 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 like ground rules. That's like, all right, let's let's start with the foundation. We got to We we are we are his body, his church. And, and it's crazy because when, when you are engaged, you get excited. You start planning the day you're going to get married. You're thinking about the little doilies on the table and the color of the flowers and stuff that you ain't even think about before, what my socks going to look like when I'm up there. You know, silly stuff. Silly stuff become important to you all of a sudden. You know what I'm saying, Jamie? <laughs> But, but, but when you're engaged, there's a lot of forgiveness that can happen. There's some, 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 hey, honey, you spent too much on this item. It's all right. Hey, you were supposed to call me and you didn't call me back. It's all right. But one of the things that is extremely difficult, dare I say almost impossible for a lot of engaged individuals to experience is infidelity in the engagement time. If, you're, if, if the person you pledge to be married to cheats on you, steps out on you, might, 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 might give you some hesitation, some pause. And the Lord speaks in his word over and over and over about the beauty of who Israel is, that he set them apart, but that Israel at times steps out on them. They choose these other idols 
They keep saying, well, we know you're beautiful, Lord, but this looks a little bit more appealing at this time. And the crazy thing about our God is that he keeps taking them back with open arms. If you would repent and follow me, I will be your God, forgiving sin, separating that wrong as far as the east is from the west. So if you don't know Christ, that is what we first invite you to as a believer in this church. We invite you to experience a forgiveness that extends to even the worst act you could ever commit. And Jesus is waiting with his arms open saying, come, my daughter, come, my son. It it points towards a a heavenly uniting that's going to happen in eternity, for eternity. Look with me at Revelations 19. I'm going to have you all flipping just a little bit. After this, we're going to settle in Ephesians 5. But Revelations 19 says this. We're going to start at verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Y'all didn't sing that before in a song. That came right from Scripture. Y'all didn't even know. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Fam, I'm starting with this spot because what you got to see is everything, everything finds its culmination, finds its, its, its joyous expression at an end point in Christ. Your salvation, your, your faith, your graciousness, your holiness, your justice, and your marriage ends in Christ. The ultimate end game is Christ, that we would be fully with him. But then we bring it home. Because, yeah, the church is, is real, set apart for Jesus. The church will, will ultimately be, be, be this bride that Jesus comes for. But, but singleness in our day and time is, is fractured. Marriages in our day, day and time are broken. There are some, some, some stats that are staggering to me, but they're, they're, they, when I step back and thought for a minute, it's not, it's not really all that crazy. Because I remember being no older than my son Ezra playing outside, and I remember seeing domestic violence for the first time take place in my apartment complex. And it was between the pastor and his wife. And he's in the middle of the, in the, middle of the grass, ah, committing acts that I can't erase from my mind. I've seen brokenness in marriages, and I've seen some things that, that, that make these stats taken from the census uh, sadly make sense. Census says in 2016, among, now it, 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 it's talking about a wide range of Single parent homes, that might mean divorce, that might mean um, a widow, 
Uh, it might mean never been married. They don't, they don't get to all the reason. They just say everybody that is single, uh, single parent homes, which meant at one point they were connected to somebody. It says that of, of American Indian descent, 52% of households have single parents. Among those of Asian and Pacific Islander, 16% of households, single parents. Among Hispanic or Latino, 42% of households. Among white, non-Hispanic, 25%. Among black and African American, 66%. I'm bringing up these percentages because... Maybe you were like me and that you didn't see a lot of really healthy marriages modeled for you when you was growing up. It says in the state of Michigan that we're upwards of 70 percent for the African-American community, single parent homes. And so and so I, I, I had a dad and mom biologically, but I didn't. I grew up knowing, never knowing or remembering a time when, when they were together. I had a stepdad step into my life, and that was amazing at the age of six. Uh, I, it was amazing now, but looking back, I didn't want that brother in my house. You know what I mean? You want to run the house, but God was gracious. Amen. I'm bringing these things up, family, because we, we, we need to ask a question. If broken families and the, the ideal model of what a healthy marriage looks like isn't something that we see on a norm, then where are we taking our cues for marriage? Where, where, where are we learning it? J and B? Where, where are we learning it? I started to try to name some other actors and actresses, but I don't know nobody else. <laughs> Will and Jada? You know what I'm saying? Where, where are we taking our cues? I, I want to try to today, and I started off kind of slow, but I don't want to have y'all here forever, but I do want to take some time to make sure we understand this. I want to say that Jesus is saying, take your cues from me. Take, take your cues from me. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. The world is broken. And, 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 and let me just also just give a shout out, because some of us in the room have parents that have modeled this well. And don't, don't you dare feel ashamed. Like you be grateful that you have amazing parents that modeled a Christ-centered home to you, even if they didn't model a Christ-centered home and tried to provide health as best they could. Like we want to celebrate that. But sadly, that, that is often not the norm for most of us and definitely not the norm for this neighborhood. Amen. So we're trying to say, well, then, Lord, what what then is the the healthy way that you want us to understand marriage? And I believe that it's based out of who he is and his modeling. So we are going to go through these scriptures in a little bit of a different order. Y'all. All right. So we're going to we're going to start at chapter five, but we're going to start with verse twenty five. Chapter 5, verse 25, and it starts with, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So, so it, when, when we think of the church, is the church just one gender? No. We got men and women in the church, okay? So, so, so what Jesus is talking about with the church extends to all of us, all of us. And there's a process, there's a love, there's a dynamic, there's a relationship that Jesus is communicating. He first says, I gave, gave himself up meaning that he will do anything for our sake, that he would endure ridicule, being mocked, misunderstood, betrayed, all those things that would ultimately lead towards death on a cross. Giving himself up is basically like saying, for you, there's nothing I won't do. There's nothing I won't do for you. And that's for men and for women. You get, you get that image of, 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 a, of, a, of, of, of like a person that works hard, you know, that's saying I will put in whatever hours I need to to be able to make sure that, that my spouse is cared for. But you also get the image of, of, of one that would, would that, that kind of like movie scene where, you know, the car is speeding towards somebody fast and they don't even realize it. And out of nowhere comes the, the husband and pushes the wife out the way. Or out of nowhere comes the wife and pushes the husband out the way and is willing to sacrifice their life for the one that they love dearly. Gave himself up. But Jesus is the one that does the sanctifying. All right? I want to I free the husbands up and free the wives up. You can't sanctify your spouse. You may want to, but take a break, look in the mirror, and see how well you did on trying to achieve every goal you had for your own life, and you realize, oh, my numbers ain't looking too good, you know? It's a, we can't sanctify ourselves. And so we come before a holy God who says, no, I am the sanctifying agent. I am the one that does that for women and for men. And what he does is he cleanses us by the washing of the word. That is, that is in essence, y'all, baptism. That is when, when he reveals himself to you and you respond in a joyful manner. And you say, I want to go public with who this God is in my life. I want to tell the world that for him I will live. And so, this, so, so Christ is the one who does that. He does that for all. He does that for men. He does that for women. And he's doing that for his church so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot, without wrinkle. Let's continue on, y'all. In verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. I don't know if y'all remember that, that, that jam I just sang with my kids. This is a repeat after me song, and then they repeated it. 
and then do as I do song, then they do it. And that whole song is a, is a call and response. And all you're doing as a participant is you mimicking. You're following what the leader says. Well, the first four words of, of verse 28 is telling you this is a call and response in the same way. So it's saying, hey, husbands, as Jesus just did with the church, I now want you to do with your wife. This is a repeat after me ministry. Don't be, try, don't be trying to start anew. Don't try to make yourself the model. Don't try to start afresh. Jesus is always the model for men and for women. And, and, and we're going to see later that this is all under a, a, an umbrella of submitting to one another. But in these verses, God is trying to help us understand what does a healthy marriage look like? The umbrella is what does a healthy community look like? But then he comes in a little bit closer and say, but I want you to thrive in marriage. And this is how we do it. it says that he loves his wife, loves himself. Verse 29. But for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Nourishes this 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 concept of what it means to to develop, to 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 nurture, to lift up, to mainly see this person have sustenance and grow in maturity. Uh, Ray Ortland, who is a guy that uh, I've been gleaning from over these past weeks as I've been studying marriage, he says, therefore, a Christian husband cares so deeply about his wife that he makes sure that her life is moving in a direction, a desirable direction, even as Christ nourishes us all. Have you have you guys ever had a job before? If you had a job, raise your hand. Some people are like, yeah, I did. Boy, I wish I could erase that job from my mind. I know. We're not talking about work right now. We're talking about the Lord. All right, so, so in your job, you have had peer reviews or performance reviews, excuse me, where your boss comes in and says, hey, I want to sit you down. Let's talk. This is my method. This is my strategy for seeing you be the best you can be at this job. Now, when you are excellent in your job, we are excellent as a team. So there's some stuff I got to talk to you about. You know, you're supposed to greet people at the door. You're pretty cool with that. But you don't like kids, and sometimes you trip them when they leave. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got we to work on that. We got to work on that. And what happens in the, in, in, in the review is hopefully a good manager will celebrate the aspects of you that allow the company, the environment to thrive, but also point out some things they want you to grow on, want, want, want you to get a little bit better on. And that, that's what this, this concept of nourishment is, is all about. It says, husbands, like, like nobody knows your wife better than you. God has given you an intimate view into the life of his child, will you be intentional about seeing her grow in maturity? You can't be the one that sanctifies her. I do that. But how dare you allow her to go throughout life with blind spots that she doesn't see and that the world sees and you won't be a man to tell her? You'll, you'll intentionally make plans for your, for your employees 
You'll intentionally make plans for your, the team you coach. What's it look like for you to pause and say, with love, with care, sweetie, there's some amazing things that you do. This is the way you thrive and have allowed me to grow as a person. Here's an area I think that the Lord wants to grow you in, though. And what, what does it look like for men to be nourishing their wives in that way? Actually, the, 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 the Lord is saying, I'm the one that sanctifies. I do the sanctifying. But I'm going to use you, man, as a tool to help her see some areas that I'm longing to sanctify. Now, as I say this, the sad part is that we've made these roles things that are like boxes, as if that's only a man's responsibility. I don't believe that. We don't believe that here at Mac, all right? Because Jesus is specifically speaking to men, it is a challenge to men. It is, it is a design. But brothers, let me, let me ask you, would you welcome it if the, if, if, the, if the conversation was flipped the other way? If your wife came to you and said, hey, man, you're such a great husband. Here's some things that you do that really allow me to soar as your wife. There's this one thing that I think the Lord wants to grow you in, and I'm going to take the risk for you being all that you could be in Christ. Brothers, how would you receive that? How how would you receive it if your wife came to you and said, hey, um, Tuesday, I got a list of stuff that I need to tell you about yourself because we, we need to make you right in Jesus. So on Tuesday, we having a meeting and I got a list. I'm ready for you. I'll be getting close to Tuesday like, you know, like getting nervous, getting a little worried. So, brothers, if you know you would be a little anxious as you consider presenting these things and nourishing your wife, Go double on the grace side. If, 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 it, if it might make you a little nervous, then, then go the extra mile as it relates to what it looks like to communicate these things with love and compassion. It's not a rule. This is just a Leonism. I'm telling on myself. My wife's going to be like, I knew that. But hey, my personal approach is three positives for everything you want to say grow in. Don't be coming to a list with 20 things that's wrong and say, Pastor told me to do this. Nope, you're on your own, brothers. You're on your own. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I ain't coming to save you. <laughs> so he says to nourish, nourish. But then he says, cherish, cherish. It means to, to comfort. It means to warm, to soften, as in, as in, as in being applied by heat. It's the the kind of thing we think of as heartwarming, you know, like the, the aww, you know, that, that, that heartwarming aspect of what it means to feel valued. I, I, got, I got a few little worldly sayings, but, but they're heartfelt. Come on, J.D., slip, flip, flip, flip through those right quick for me. Sometimes the smallest act of love can take up the biggest space in someone's heart. Aww. I love you for all that you are, all that you have been, and all that you are yet to be. Aw, you know? 
You may not be the only reason why I smile, but you are definitely my favorite one. <laughs> Cherish, brothers. I don't, I don't know how to really describe cherishing and making things heartfelt. I tried to go to Hallmark to get some help, you know what I'm saying? But, 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 but if, if, if nourishing is being intentional about seeing her grow, cherishing is reminding her how much she means to you right now. That I value you. That you, you, what you mean to me is, is, is above everything else. And for you, I might even do things that's not my norm. I might even write little post-its and leave them on the mirror. I don't even like writing. But if it does something in your heart to make you feel cherished, I want to do it. Now, brothers, we're going to get to some verses later that seem really direct to women. And sadly, the church has used this to beat down women as we talk about this theme of submission later. But can I say, brothers, that we need to be obedient to Christ in this. If you are a man that is not cherishing your wife and not nourishing her, we are being disobedient to the Lord. Because he's saying, I am the model. You model after me. If you say, no, I'm going to choose a different model, you are being disobedient. So, brothers, let's, let's, let's encourage each other. Let's walk with each other. Let's take some risks together. But let's try to be men that nourish our wives and cherish our wives. And it says in verse 28, just as Christ does the church. See, it keeps pointing back. That the motto is not a man-made model. The motto is how Jesus treats the church. So men, if you're going to lead well and be strong husbands and lead in your marriages, then you've got to do this unto the Lord. Because I know your tendency and I know my tendency, right? My tendency is, girl, you can get all the nourishment you want, all the cherishing you want, as long as you do dot, dot, dot. We start making cherishing and nourishment conditional. If you would be this, then I would nourish you more. Why can't you just be who I asked you to be? Why can't you? Why can't, but no. It seems like the Lord is saying this is an act of worship unto me. That's not dependent upon her at all. Brothers, will you model it? Men, let us model it. Verse 22 now, and, I, and I'm skipping around because I, 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 the structure of the way it's laid out in the word is very clear, and it's a linear build. But I wanted to first kind of let Christ's model speak to us first, how he challenges men, then how he challenges women. So now we're going to go to verse 22. Wives. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. This, again, is, is, is an act of worship that's unto the Lord. 
What, is it, what does it mean to, to submit? I've read a ton of different descriptions. I tried to give you two from, from my own wording. Uh, one says, I, I trust God enough to let you lead. The other says, I surrender my rights for the sake of seeing God use you to lead. Notice I said, let you lead. Because submission is always a willful act that is offered. Men, if you are trying to to force your wife into submission, it won't work. It won't work. And as I said last week, what does submission look like for each home? I'll leave it at this. The same thing I said last week. We were created as one to represent the image of God with distinct difference, male and female. And as woman was created as a helper for Adam to help Adam be the best man he could be, it does not mean that she is less than. She is created in the same image, reflecting the same image of God, but called to help Adam be all that he could be in Christ. I asked, what does that look like for your household? In what ways do you submit to help your husband be all that he can be in Christ? I don't know what that looks like in your home. And I don't want to tell you what that looks like in your home. What I do want to ask you is to have that posture in your home. But it is, it is it's interesting. I, I, I kind of started last week's sermon just about like, how dancing, how you have two separate people dancing, but then like the oneness is off the chain when they become one and they just like rolling and you don't even see two separate people. You just see one person almost doing their thing. And as I was reading this week, a ton of different articles, uh, a brother named uh, Thabiti Anyebwile wrote an article off of his wife. And his wife was talking to a sister and the sister was like, man, I don't really get like, the point of submission, I'm lost on it. Like, and so she tried to talk to her from a gospel-centered perspective, and they talked for a while. But then the woman, the conversation shifted, and the woman started talking about salsa dancing. And before you knew it, she started breaking down salsa dancing, and she was saying that in salsa, like the, the, the only way the dance flows flawlessly is if the man is willing to lead and guide and the woman is willing to be led. But the whole point of an amazing salsa group is that the man is showing off his girl. I don't even know if this is salsa. I don't know. <laughs> I'm doing merengue up here. I don't know. <laughs> but, 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 the, but the whole point is, is now... How do I follow the cues that you give? And how am I trying to defer to you? But how am I trusting that as you lead, you lead well? And so, so, so he, he, he helped us, he helped me see some points and I wanted to bring them before you guys. Because it, it almost seems as if it's unfair. Pastor, you're saying brothers get to get to nourish and cherish, and I get to submit? What's up with that equation? Let's, let's, first, let's first acknowledge 
that as uh, my brother Thabiti says, that submission is hard. Submission is, it is hard. It is hard for women. And submission is also hard for men because we have to listen and are called to listen to Christ. So submission is a theme that runs through the body of Christ. Uh, Submission is for the husband. Uh, The BD was reflecting on his wife's article, and I'm putting both articles up here in a minute. Uh, Yep, you guys will see it. We'll, We'll make it bigger. Christie's article, his wife, is actually even deeper and better. And I want to say, men, if you get a chance this week to read this article, it is a great understanding of what it looks like to, to, to love, serve, and care for your wife well and understand her journey uh, possibly in submission. Says there are few ways to encourage my husband more than to show my respect for him as a man that I'm trusting enough and I'm trusting and willing to follow his lead. That submission is for God's glory, he says. Said it that God calls me to submit to him so that the world would have a glimpse of his headship over the church. Brother, you don't you don't you don't even nourish and care for your wife. Why am I supposed to want to love your God? Sister, you don't even respect him. You don't, you don't even follow how he leads. Why would I want to listen to the God that you, that, that, that you say you worship? You see, this, this marriage thing is constantly a reflection and an image of a beautiful God. And even how we treat one another, how we love one another, our union together, it's a witness. It's a witness to the world. Submission is also for my faith. Uh, When I've chosen a different course of action than my husband, I must trust the Lord to work out his good purposes in that situation. Submission does not mean agreement. It does not mean that uh, everything he says is right. It also does not mean that everything that, that he wants to do, you agree with. What it does mean is that just as, just as, In the garden, God says to Adam, Adam, where are you? Even though they both had engaged in an act that broke God's heart, it's saying, I trust the responsibility of this family into your hands. Submission is for my joy. When my husband loves me with a Christ-like love, giving himself for me, taking interest in my spiritual life, showing tender care and love for me, it brings me great joy. Family, I am, uh, I, I am thankful that I get to serve with people who love each other well. We, we, we got some issues. Y'all know this. We got some issues. But I see God doing a great work within marriages. And uh, if I could just say to my single folk, use your body. Use your congregation. You... The person you choose to marry is a lifelong decision. And you don't want to make that decision based off of emotion, based off of fleshly desire. You don't want to, you, 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 you want a spouse that's going to say, man, as Christ loved the church, I could potentially see this spouse loving me like Christ loved the church for the rest of my living days. The choice is an important one. 
next to accepting Christ, probably the most important choice you'll make. Then we go to verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Taking us back to our Genesis narrative from last week. If you haven't heard that one, go back, check it out. I do want to say just as a caveat before we wrap up that I've talked a lot about cherishing. I've talked a lot about nourishing. I've talked a lot about submission. None of this is under the umbrella of abuse. If you in any way have been physically abused or if you have been and are being emotional abused, Sadly, sometimes this hierarchy has been used to say, just stay in it. Let us hear him out. See what he has to say. No. Abuse takes away the image-bearing capacity of you as a man, of you as a woman. And we at this church want to ask you to humbly let us in or let somebody in because you should not being a, be experiencing abuse for the sake of trying to submit. That's, that's, that's not godly. And if anyone would use scripture to back that up, that's not godly. And lastly, we, we kind of end jumping back up. So we were at 31, but now I'll go back up to 21. Because submission is a tool used for healthy community. And the overarching theme is one where we submit to one another. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We should not be trying to dominate one another. We should be trying to defer to one another. And, and, and that is a Christian community ethos. That is, that is what it means to do life in Christian community, as a part of his church. But then he gives some specifics to make it even deeper in marriage because that's a bit more intimate than just your church family. I want to read this, this, this quick story from uh, Paul Alio Jr. He says, The captain of the ship looked into the dark night and saw faint lights in the distance. Immediately, he told his single man, his signal man, to send a message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly, a return message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was angered. His command had been ignored. So he sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon, another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a seaman, third class Jones. Immediately, the captain sent a third message. Knowing the fear it would invoke, he said, Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came, Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. In the midst of Dark and foggy times, all types of voices, y'all, are shouting at us to try to, to, try to compete and have my, my, my husband perspective dominate. 
my wife perspective dominate? To make sure that I am heard and that you will do as I say and all of these unhealthy things that the world tries to mimic as what it looks like to be a good marriage. Christ is saying, no, I have a design. The design is that I will do anything for you because you are the church. I love you because you are my bride. I will go to the end of the earth to care for you. I will die for you. But now I'm calling you to model yourself after me. Men, love your wives. Nourish and cherish them. Women, you're serving me. You're worshiping me. Submit to his leadership in that way as a, as a service unto me, not unto him. Families, this is what it looks like to have oneness take place. But it's all under the umbrella still of us deferring, celebrating, and seeing one another championed. I, I pray that you would submit to this teaching today of, of what God would have for our marriages, that we would thrive. I pray that we would not simply leave here and be like, that was okay message. But that we would leave here like, man, you know what? If I could be honest, I... I I don't really nourish my wife well. Brother, would you, would you hold me accountable to that? I don't even know what it's going to look like, but I want to try. I want to go for it. But man, I, I, I love my husband. But what it looks like to submit to him, we've had some bad experiences in our past, and I, I can't get through forgiving him for those things. So it's tough for me to submit. Would you hold me accountable to growing in this? Family, these are these are. There's a design that God's had. When the design operates as he desires, oh, it's such a blessing. But we can still be tempted to to serve idols that would break that design down and not allow the flourishing that God would have for us in marriage. Let's pray together. Lord, We want to be people who submit to you first. Submit to one another. But also submit to the design that you have created for marriage. And so all of that for many of us is very new because we haven't had it modeled for us. We haven't seen it. We haven't experienced it sometimes. But that's the beauty of your word, Lord. It opens us up and it, it, you have made us new creations. And so now, Lord, use your word to teach us, to give us the mind of Christ, that we would be able to live this out practically. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.